Less than a week from this year's tax filing season deadline, the IRS braces for a surge of requests from taxpayers to extend the deadline. Agency employees face an increased workload this year, implementing changes under the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act and digging out from the impact of a 30-day partial government shutdown. Yikes. IRS employees voiced their concerns to two senators and to IRS Commissioner Chuck Reddick. Federal News Network's Jory Heckman was there. He heard it all. He joins me now. And let's start with the extensions. And what are they expecting, Jory, and what does that mean for the workload for the people that have to process all of that? The IRS projects that it could get 14.6 million requests for tax filing extensions this filing season. They made that projection earlier this month, and they're granted there is still some time between now and the end of the filing season, and it's only a projection, but if that does come to pass, if that number does come to pass, that would be the highest volume of requests for filing extensions ever. And so this also actually echoes concerns that national taxpayer advocate Nina Olson made to reporters back in March after a House Ways and Means subcommittee hearing. One thing I'm hearing from practitioners, you know, preparers, is the filing season is so truncated. That's why so many more extensions are being filed, because they just can't get to that work. And so I've been looking, you know, we've been looking at, do you, for different reasons, just overall move the filing season back? Would you, if you have moved it back to May 15th, would you get some more returns in rather than October 15th? I don't know the answer to that, but that's something that we've been thinking about. Yeah, a lot of issues going on here because the 35-day federal shutdown had nothing to do with people filing their taxes on time. But the change in law is, I guess, the reason why so many people want to. So the IRS didn't affect that change in law, but they have to deal with it. And so they're behind the times because of the shutdown. So it all kind of comes together in a messy, fairly way. Yeah, yeah. There was really nothing preventing taxpayers from filing those taxes during the, the shutdown. However, there was guidance that was postponed. There's a lot of changes, a lot of updates to forms and computer systems as a result of the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act. And so the the the, the paid tax preparers are just, you know, one domino in that chain that get affected. And so that was what no, what uh, Nina Olson had, had referred to in that clip. But that suggestion to possibly extend the deadline by a month – That was her idea, but the IRS never seriously took that up, as far as we can tell, correct? Well, Olson was thinking about it. What she, the conversations she has had with the IRS, it's their understanding that they have a pretty narrow authority to to push back the filing season deadline. Last season, last year, they had a one day extension as a result of a of a systems glitch they had that was then determined to be the the fault of, of sure. contractors that they had had. Right. And sometimes if the filing deadline is a Sunday, they'll go to the next Monday or that kind of thing. They, they have a day or two depending on circumstances. A little bit of wiggle room, but the idea of, of a month that these are just ideas that Olson had thrown out, that, that would be new territory. Sure. Probably April 15th is not in the Constitution, but it's probably in some statute somewhere. I'm sure it is, having to do with the IRS. All right. And then at this town hall meeting that you attended with Senator Ben Cardin of Maryland, of course, he's got lots of Maryland voters are working for the IRS because of their giant New Carrollton facility they have up there. And also Ron Wyden, other Democrat. And on the IRS budget proposal for 2020 coming from the Trump administration, they didn't think that was so bad. So Senator Ben Cardin at this town hall, he said that the IRS overall fares Fairly well in the, the the budget request, 
The IRS would get $11.5 billion in this request, and that's compared to $11.2 billion from enacted levels in 2019. So that's about a 2.5% increase. However, over the past 10 years, the agency has seen its budget reduced by nearly a billion dollars. And as a result, it's seen its workforce reduced by about 23%. So long term, they still are reeling from some of these effects. And Senator Cardin also pointed out that federal employees in general, they face another pay freeze in this request, and they also would contribute more to the retirement benefits. So Senator Cardin, as you pointed out, represents a lot of federal employees in the state of Maryland. And he said, you know, from that perspective, he would really push back on some of those provisions. So he's really mixing up two ideas here, though, because the IRS and its workforce and its budget, whether it's sufficient to do the workload they have and what's required of them under tax law change and so forth. But they're also federal employees and all federal employees live under this debate that's going on about their retirement funds and so forth and how much they contribute to them. So not Exactly parallel issues, but I guess for Senator Cardin with a bunch of taxpayers and federal employees in his district, you know, in his in his state that he represents, it makes sense. And we're speaking with Federal News Network's Jory Heckman, and there's a couple of bills regarding the IRS that Wyden and Cardin also are endorsing, and that might even have support from both sides of the aisle. That's right. They both through their support behind the 2019 Taxpayer First Act. It's a bill, a pretty comprehensive bill, that has bipartisan support from the leadership of the House Ways and Means Committee as well as the Senate Financial Services Committee. The bill, if passed, would prevent private debt collectors from going after debts less than two years old and from taxpayers who are more than 200% below the federal poverty level. This is the kind of issue, Tom, that Congress keeps on going back and forth on as far as the... The effectiveness of that and the Treasury Inspector General for Tax Administration, or TIGTA, last year they, they weighed in here and they said that private debt collectors only brought in 1% of the $4 billion in debts they were assigned to collect. So that's still an open issue. Right. And the private debt collectors, as you mentioned under this bill, could not go after certain taxpayers, but that wouldn't stop the IRS from going after the same tax- taxpayers. No. And as Senator Ben Cardin pointed out, he still has concerns with the level of private debt collectors that are employed by the IRS. And he says that taxpayers generally have more protections when IRS employees are knocking on the door as opposed to these private debt collectors. Yeah, I remember back during the Obama administration when Colleen Kelly at that time, she's retired now, was the head of the National Treasury Employees Union. And she had statistics showing that the private collection firms did not take in sufficient revenue in back taxes to cover the costs of employing them. I think TIGTA has also weighed in in that area, too, and really said that for what what it costs to employees collectors and what they bring in, they they just barely break even. And if someone's 200 percent below the federal property level, I doubt they would have a tax liability at all. You know, there there is a, a tax gap of about half a trillion dollars out there. And there's any number of proposals of suggesting how to get that money, you know, restore that money back to the, the Treasury. And this is one route that people have taken. But there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of concerns there. Well, I'm sure all of the assets owned by all of the people that are 200 percent below the federal poverty level don't add up to 500 billion dollars. Let's put it that way. If they took everything they had, you wouldn't get all that money. Jory, what else is in that bill? So as I said, it's a it's a pretty comprehensive bill. Has a lot of different provisions. Another one would increase the financial penalty for paid tax preparers if they are found to not be securing the taxpayer data that they that they have and. That, that would then fall into the hands of malicious folks who would then use those for identity theft. 
However, lawmakers don't really think this is going to be bringing in a lot of money. In a summary of the bill, they said that over 10 years, this would bring in about $500,000. So, you know, really more of a of a raising the stakes for individual tax preparers if they are perhaps careless with this information. But Wyden said that this is pretty much a common sense issue here. And IRS Commissioner Chuck Reddick said that generally having a better trained tax preparer community benefits everyone. As you indicated, there is bipartisan support for this bill. Yeah. Yeah. So Democrats and the Republicans that lead the House Ways and Means Committee, as well as Chuck Grassley and Wyden, who are respectively the chairman and the ranking member of the Senate Finance Committee. It's also worth pointing out, Tom, that Grassley and Wyden are the leadership of the Congressional Whistleblower Caucus. There's another provision in this bill that would give whistleblowers regular updates on cases that they have against the IRS. So something else to look forward to in that bill. Now, there were IRS employees at this town meeting. What concerns did they raise? One IRS employee raised concerns that the workforce does face disciplinary actions and even firing if they are delinquent on their taxes. This employee said that he was having a contentious back and forth with the agency's tax compliance division and was saying that he's going through a divorce situation here where he owes taxes, but he was looking to get money from his thrift savings plan. But because of the divorce, those funds were frozen. And he was trying to communicate this all to the compliance division. And he says that they're understaffed and they were just giving him the, the boilerplate statement of saying, if you don't pay this money, you are at risk of being fired. Sure. Now, Chuck Reddick, the commissioner, was there. What did he say about all this? Well, Chuck Reddick, he has he has toured various IRS facilities. He has had a lot of these town hall situations. And he said that he personally has to sign off on all these termination decisions. And he added that he's very sensitive to these kinds of issues. It's also worth bringing up that TIGTA has looked at this. Between 2003 and 2013, they identified 16,000 IRS employees who fell under this condition where they were willfully non-compliant with their taxes. However, they, they also found that employees generally aren't fired to a, a very high degree if they are behind on their taxes. So Senator Cardin said that he's concerned with this uh, this concern from this employee, but said that he would wait to hear from Reddick and the, the unions before looking to do any sort of legislative fix. All right. So lots of issues, but mainly a big bill that would come in reforming tax collection provisions, basically. But that's kind of a really a small country cousin of the big tax bill from last year. Right, right. Really just the the business of the IRS as opposed to the tax policy. Federal News Network's Jory Heckman. Thanks so much. Thanks, Tom. Be sure to check out all of his coverage at (coughs) federalnewsnetwork.com. Cough and cold season is here. Introducing Ricola Max Throat Care, Ricola's most powerful drop yet. It's the best of Swiss nature wrapped around a powerful liquid menthol center for maximum relief from your worst cough and sore throat. Maximum nature for maximum relief. Try the new Ricola Max now, available in the cold and cough aisle. It's in our nature. 